Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight. Hello and welcome to the official Canberra Raiders podcast, Behind the Limelight. I'm Raider Nick. And joined by the man, a very special guest, Benny Pollock is out there on the uh, sponsors junket for the State of Origin down in Melbourne. But Tommy Logan, uh, the assistant, the, the 2IC in the media department here at the Canberra Raiders. Tommy, how are you, mate? Mate, I'm fantastic. Great to be here. To all the wonderful listeners out there, a bit about yourself. You've come in down from Wagga. You, you've actually worked at Manly as well. Yeah, so I, I was born in Wagga and Aubrey raised. And I actually lived in Canberra to study my university degree here. Um, and then I spent a couple of years with the Seagulls in the NRL. But now... I'm finally back at the bank. Well, I'm finally with the club that I love and follow, which is the Canberra Raiders. So, speaking of Manly, we'll touch on that uh, wonderful win a uh, fortnight ago now because of the bye. We'll have a couple of the boys come and joining us in Blake Austin, Michael Oldfield. Uh, we'll see them, we'll hear from them for the first time for the podcast, and also a very special Forever Green. I say it every week, but. There's no one more special than the man that iced the 89 grand final, Steve Jacko Jackson. All this plus a bit more. Come join us because we're about to go behind the limelight. We mentioned there 21 20, the Raiders beat Manly in that round 12 clash. A while ago now, because of the bye there, Tommy, um, it was good for the Raiders to get that, to jag that win. There's always been that wet blanket over the club saying they can't finish those games. They lose their way in those close encounters. But it was great for, for C's, especially C's, to pop that field goal and to win the game on, on Forever Green night. Yeah, mate, it was a fantastic occasion for everyone involved with the club. Uh, I know Jared Croker, before the game, was talking about the importance of the game uh, heading into the bye. And I think that now that we've collected the two points from that big win, I think we can use that as a, as a catalyst to go on for the rest of the year. Absolutely. Uh, you know, kind of halfway through the year now, they always say if you jag that win before the bye, it's a four-point win. Now, we always say if you have a good fortnight, you go straight back up there. And looking at the table in the paper this morning, just sitting in 10th position, just outside the eight, so it's positive times. But it won't come any bigger when it comes to tests this weekend at Penrith. It's going to be a great night out there, isn't it, Tommy? Yeah, I mean, everyone, I know everyone around the club is really excited about the the vibe at the moment, especially after that win against the Seagulls. Um, obviously, this weekend doesn't come much tougher than yeah. the table-topping Panthers. But there's a real genuine belief around the club that uh, no matter who who the Raiders come up against on the field, we don't fear anyone. And I know that the boys will be more than ready to take them on Friday night. Panthers come off a really good win against, obviously, the Dragons. They really took the Dragons to town, really put some points on them. And, you know, James Maloney really rallied during the week for that Panther squad to go up a gear to play kind of finals football. And it really showed. The Panthers are a team that everyone's in a lift for now, considering what they've achieved. I'm excited for our boys to really uh, to go up another notch this week. Cause it's going to be like a finals-type performance required. Completely agree. And I think there's been a bit of a rivalry born between the Raiders yeah. and the Panthers From the, Panthers from the glory days there. Yeah, exactly. 90 from, and 91. Yep, exactly. And I think that's even further... Uh, sort of been brought back into life, uh, especially after the recent, I think it was the 2016 finals match when the green, the mighty green machine got up over them. And then also last year's heartbreaking loss uh, in Bathurst. I know that was quite possibly one of the worst oh, nights of my life. But, Tommy, uh, don't bring that up again. Yeah, let's, just, let's not touch on that one again. I've gone through sessions and sessions of psychiatry to clear that baggage from Bathurst. You've just pushed the button again, mate. Oh, I think I've probably done more harm to myself there because I know I've been trying to erase that from my mind, uh, but unfortunately it's just one of those things that happens that drive in rugby home, league. I tell you, that drive home. There's no better way to erase that kind of wrong 
with a real good win at home. Uh, of course, match day sponsor Barter Card. There's also some other stuff happening on game day there, Tommy. Yeah, so the match day charity is the Cure Brain Cancer Foundation. Um, so by all means, go and support them if you can. So it's sure to be a cracking game on Friday Friday night at GIO Stadium. So make sure you, you get your leave passes early from work or, or whether... You know, you're coming back home from school. Make sure you're into your parents about getting to the game nice and early. So, yeah, it should be a great occasion for all involved. I don't mind the time slot. It's a beautiful time slot. Yeah, I, I love it as well. I mean, I think this is one of the positives about Canberra. Unlike Sydney, uh, Canberra's 15 minutes to drive anywhere, really. Uh, so, unlike Sydney, you could be um, taking about an hour and a half just to get out to ANZ Stadium on a Friday night, and that's probably the worst thing in the world I can think of, really. There's actually another a fixture uh, post-NRL game as well on Friday night. Bulls versus Ruse in the Katrina Fanning Shield. So, stuck around and watched a little bit of the uh, the game, last home game against Manly. That was pretty good. The girls, uh, they, geez, they can hit hard. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it was great. And it was great to see a few of the fans stick around. And uh, I even I remember seeing Mel Meninga hanging around on the touchline. And he was uh, a very keen spectator. So it was great to see even past players like that getting around, getting around the, the Katrina Fanning Shield and supporting the local game. Fantastic to see. This is a game that you've got to come out and watch now. You know, they're playing the Penrith Panthers who are now sitting on top of the table, probably the form team in the NRL. No excuses. Don't worry about the time. Get your leave passes. Public servants, use your flex time up. But there's no excuses, Tommy. You've got to get out there and support the boys. You tell them. Yeah, just get out there and we want to see plenty of green in the crowd, so we're looking forward to it. Be that supplement for the players on the field. They're playing against the top team, they're playing against the benchmark of the NRL, so let's go out there and do our bit on the sideline with our voices, with our hands, with our energy, with our presence, and just get the boys over the line uh, because it's season ons. Look where we are. We're just on the verge of that eight. Go the Raiders. Now joined by a couple of lads, Blake Osted, Michael Oldfield. How are you boys? I know he's a busy. Sticky's got you there doing extras. How yeah. was uh, weekend off last week? Yeah, it was good to uh, freshen up. I think it's, um, you know, we would have normally had the city country round about round eight in the past. So we sort of had to go a bit longer till we got our first break this year. So uh, I think it was much needed. We're both Sydney boys. So um, I know I got back and, and got got to spend some time with the family and you know, I got to hang out with my brother, which which is what I always miss the most. And, um, yeah, good freshen up. Just on that Oste City Country, you were part of the city team quite a bit. You had a really good game there one year. He's got a couple of tries there. Did it? How does that feel no longer having that fixture? Does it kind of, it's a bit of a shame that's gone? Yeah, I think it's 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 a real shame. It's a game that uh, we took to rural, rural towns uh, every year and a uh, chance for the kids out there to see some more stars. So, um, as long as we look at ways where we can still see plenty of footy out in the bush, I think, um, yeah, as long as we replace it with, um, whether it's an NRL round in... Some exposure yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, but I, I always thought it was a great game. It was great for young kids to get their first taste of, of any sort of representation, and, um, yeah, it's sad to, to see that it's not around. Because if you talk about needing a, a possibles versus probables game, this year was probably the year they should have probably done it. What was it like as in camp for that? Like, did you really take a lot away from when you went in camp? Obviously, you had Freddie as a coach there at times, playing with some of the Sydney boys, seeing different ways of preparation, seeing different cultures all mingling in. That would have been, that would have been a positive. Yeah, I think, you know, I took it very seriously. I know that um, when I was there, there was a few guys that were sort of there for different reasons. Like, we had guys that had already played for the Blues and... Um, you know, but for me it was um, so for them it wasn't as serious. But for me it was, um, yeah, my first chance to get into camp and and in a, in a sort of rep rep environment. And 
Um, it's something that I, I got a lot of confidence out of and, and really enjoyed the week. Speaking for myself as a country boy, um, when I was a kid, I used to always love seeing sort of that representative footy coming out to the bush. And I know that it really makes such a positive impact on the kids out there who just, you know, don't get to, don't get the chance every day to see this sort of some of their maybe NRL heroes out playing in their town. So, yeah, I, I think it's probably a great concept. And as long as the NRL can, can continue to keep bringing quality games out there, you know, the more the better. I Ricky say. Kotrick, he was um, a big goal of his was to play City Country, and um, one of the reasons was because he thought he was going to be pulling on a City jersey. He's um, he's from Canberra, so he, he used to be like that, though. Yeah, well, well, he thought he'd be pulling on a City jersey, and and me and Aiden give him plenty of stick and say, "No, nah, mate, you're a, you're a country bloke, and you'll be you'll be hanging out with blokes in cowboy boots for a week, <laughs> not not in Kudji sipping coffee." So yeah, I can't, I can't really see Nick pulling on the cowboy boots or anything like that. So I'd say, despite him being a country boy, I think he's definitely more suited to that city sort of Your coach culture. has worn both jerseys. Yeah, okay. City and country. They changed the rule. It used to be country as in like, if you like, you know, Laurie Daly that came from June and all actually country, rural country, and then Canberra and Newcastle all classified a city, and they changed it. Oldie, mate, uh, mate, we left out in the cold there, mate. You had a good look. I was going to say, let, let Ossie do all the talking, mate. He's good for it. Last year, mate, you come out on the scene, you, scored, you had that first game against South. I think you scored a hat-trick out on the wing there, did you? Hat-trick when? No. Against South last year? When you no, it was, like, it was, it was, it was a double. Two uh, photo-style finishes in the corner. Two Superman and tries. I don't know what game you guys saw. I only scored the one. It was a good one, but Yeah, mate. So he's looped it over the top and you... Bit of a carry-on there. Good research. <laughs> you go back. Are you loving Canberra? Um, yeah, actually, I'm loving it here. Um, I'm not going to lie, I do miss the beach, but um, I still get lots of opportunity to go back to Sydney and uh, see my family and spend time at the beach. Um, that's uh, one of the good things about playing for Mounties, is we go back to Sydney, so we get to spend a few days there. Being Mounties, a very good, very good club, very strong um, squads and whatnot, we um, we're going really well, so it is, it's enjoyable to go back down there and play some good footy. One thing that I've, I find sort of awesome about your background, Oldie, is that, and I'm not sure if many Raiders fans know this, uh, but you're also a, a Tongan international. Um, can you sort of tell us a bit about your heritage and sort of um, sort of the pride that you would have felt playing for Tonga? Yeah, so I'm half Tongan. Obviously, not many people would know that, especially just by going off my face. But um, yeah, it's a, it's you know, obviously nat- naturally, it's a big part of my life. Um, very close to my mum and obviously my Tongan side. Um, no offence to Dad's side, but just naturally a lot closer to their side. And, um, yeah, had the opportunity to play for Tonga a couple of times and yeah, it was probably the best part of my footy so far. Just talk a bit of footy, mate. Your coach, has he whispered in your ear about what you need to do to kind of get into that first grade squad? And um, Stick's, Stick's pretty honest. He just, you know, he keeps telling me, you know, I'm, I'm just off, you know, I'm that one spot off and basically just got to bomb my time and just keep hanging in there and doing my best for Mounties and that's basically what I'm doing. Um, I'm always that 18th man so you know if anyone sort of falls down or breaks an ankle you know that's just footy but um, then I'm, hopefully I'm just in the right position to jump on board because what happens is if you're 18th man and the Mounties have already played do you ever miss out of might go a week where you actually won't run out of the field um, yeah definitely um, stick sometimes uh, pulls me back from playing for Mounties if it if it clashes or Mounties play before first grade. I've actually happened a couple of times where I've missed two games in a row being 18th. So um, this last few weeks has been pretty good. I've played Mounties one week, 18th one week, Mounties one week. So I still get a feel for football and I'm still getting that match fitness at Mounties. But, um, yeah, I just keep myself um, in that position to 
fill in if I need to. Just putting yourself in the best place. Yeah, that's right. Osto, we are asked only about Canberra. You, you've really come to Canberra the last few years and really blossomed in the town. By looks through social media, you're like walking around the, the residential areas of the nation's cap. Nice. Yeah, mate, it is. Um, I wasn't fortunate enough like Oldie to grow up on the beach. Yeah, that was life. coming. Uh, he's from the northern beaches. Such a hard um, upbringing. I was still out west, apparently. But I've always said that um, Canberra reminds me a lot of Western Sydney. It's actually, uh, I say it's a nicer version of Western Sydney. Everything's done a little bit better and um, the people are, are, are a little friendlier. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a very easy place to transition from Western Sydney to Canberra and um, you've probably heard it before too, but you, you don't really realise what Canberra's got until you get here and, and experience it. Everyone you know, is quick to tell you how cold and that it is, but uh, it's also a great city and I, I think it's really on the up. And um, Yeah, so I, I've really enjoyed my, my time here in Canberra. And, um, you know, my son's a Belconnen shark. He, he, he's embraced the Canberra life as well. He goes to school at Amaru and, um, yeah, it's a great place to, to raise a young family. It's more publicised. You, you won that car on the footy show when you were a kid there. A uh, big Parramatta fan, and then you got picked up by Penrith. And you were doing a lot on the footy show as a Panther back in the day. And you were kind of like a, a really exposed kind of rugby league player coming through. So you were just kind of built for the game. What was it as a kid, Oster, that really made you want to play footy? And what is it in adult life that still makes you excited about the game? I guess, you know, everything I've done in rugby league, I owe to my parents. Um, you know, as a father now... Um, and knowing what I've got to do for my son to get him around to his sport and stuff, it, it makes me really realise what, what my parents did do for me. Yeah, because, um, you know, I'm not half the the parent they are when it comes to that stuff. You know, I'll, I'll let him miss a night of training or a, stuff like that. So it, it makes me really realise my, my mum and dad were always my coach and my manager growing up. Every, every year I played um, club footy, so... Um, yeah, that's where the love of the game comes from. My my grandmother, she's a, she's probably the biggest tragic in the family. She she tells stories of of lining up for grand final tickets to watch Parramatta play. You know, in the eighties when they were when they were pretty dominant. So um, I think her Eric Grove was was on the ring. She she'd call him hers, and um, so that's where the sort of passion comes from. And then my mum's probably probably the most passionate supporter of my career. My dad's always there, but. Um, he's happy to sit at home and watch from from the lounge room, whereas mum will, mum's a bit more passionate and doesn't miss m- many games of footy. So, yeah, that's where I get my my love from. And um, you know, with a bit of luck, my my son will grow up the same and and love the game as well. What position did you play there through the juniors? There, you were more of a fullback, weren't you? Or were you always in the halves? No, or? I was a, yeah, I was a five eight my whole life. Me and Oldie actually um, crossed paths in athletics a, a bit when we were, we were younger. He was the kid that. Yeah, uh, when you went to state, you you didn't want to borrow Michael Oldfield. He was the fast kid from out at Warringah, and um, yeah, so we, we we both ran a little bit. I was always pretty quick myself, and um, so yeah, I was I was a six, I was a runner, I was fast, and yeah, that, that, that's where my my love for footy came. Question for both of you guys: When you run out into the big stage of NRL, being that kid that had the posters on the wall, whether it was Parramatta or when do you realise, man, I'm here, the dream has arrived? Yeah. Probably not until the moment you you get out there, and um, I suppose it's it's the battle of getting there, and then you know, you know once you're there, the the how whole new the whole new battle of, of how do you stay there and ha- and how do you sort of make your mark on the competition as well. I suppose it, it took me a long time to learn that, and um, it probably took me a long time to learn how much effort has to go into to performing really well at at the top level. I 
Um, you know, I always knew in myself that I had it in me to go on and play in the NRL, but, um, you know, in, in myself, I always believed that I could perform well at that level too, and um, unfortunately, it took me longer than what it probably should have. Uh, but when the penny finally dropped, it's, yeah, it takes a lot of hard work to, to perform well at this level. Oldie, yourself, mate, did you? Obviously, we mentioned about that South game where you apparently scored one try, but uh, you walk away from that thing, gee, today was a good day. I've made my debut for, for a club that I've come down to. I've, I've scored myself a meat pie. You know, you walk off thinking, geez, life's good. Yeah, Living definitely. Dream. Um, you know, to play NRL at any time in your life is, you know, something to remember, obviously, and to come here and get a start here at Canberra and to score a try in a winning game was pretty exciting for me. Was it easy to adjust to Canberra? I mean, obviously you had played with some um, players that are currently in the team previously when you were in the Super League with Catalans. Did you know many of those guys before you came over? Um, yeah, so the transition was obviously very smooth. I moved straight in with Elliot Whitehead. Um, me and him played together in France for two years. Um, I knew Jeff Lehmer and I, you know, I'd had some, I knew BJ. I'd met Junior Paul on a certain few occasions. Um, Liam Knight I knew coming down. So, um, you know, it was, it was very easy. And once you get this point in my age, I'm getting old now. So you start to you start knowing a lot of players from each clubs, and you know you've played with certain people at certain you know rep teams or whatever. Joke growing up, and a lot of mutual friends. So it's a very easy transition. We're all we're all wide the same, so we'll get along pretty easy. Panthers, Osto, um, how's the preparation for this one, mate? Yeah, it's been um, you know it's been good. We uh, as we spoke about, we got to freshen up last week. Um, I think the Panthers are you know very similar to the teams in, in years gone by that they've had. Um, obviously, James Maloney's offered um, you know that that icing on the cake for them, but you know, they're going to be a young and enthusiastic team. We we sort of come to know that's what Penrith are in the last few years, and you know Oldie spent a bit of time at Panthers too, so he'll know a few of them guys. And uh, but the prep's been really good and. Yeah, we certainly um, haven't sort of left any stones unturned. We, we, we know what's coming for us and you know, we're, we're quite confident we can get the job done. You mentioned about known players from Penrith and whatnot. You get along with each other off the field with the opposition, but during the game, is it, do you just give it to each other or is it just sledging galore and you just... During the 80 minutes, is it full on? Depends on individuals. I know Oldie's probably... I could be wrong, but I don't think Oldie would be the kind of guy that says too much on a footy field. No, no. I, I, I make little comments... Um, when I can, but it, it's more just smart-ass comments. It's not, you know, I'm not much in... And when yeah, I don't like to... You know, nothing under the skin or anything like that? <laughs> no, when no, you're in the, no, When no. you're in the halves, it, you, you, you tend to talk more when you're playing well. Obviously, when you're, when you're not having your best game, it's hard to uh, make too many remarks to, to other players because they, they'd have plenty of ammo to get you back, yeah, so... Well, I there's a lot of talk about sitting on the sideline for, for media. There's a lot of, Austin's ball, Austin's ball. I think coming out of 2015, when you just came off the mark like that, he became, he became handled a lot in 2016. Does that make it? Does that make it harder? Frustrating that the stuff that you, kind of were doing a year before, they're kind of onto you now a little bit. And does it just get a little bit frustrating? Because I can hear it from the sideline. They're always calling you out early, even want to play early as well. Especially the really brainy halves for the opposition. No, I think you know the day that they're not, they're not calling your name is you know the, the day you're probably more worried about because um, they're, they're, you, you sort of question what you're doing on the field. So. Um, I think it's about sticking to what you know you're good at and uh, trusting the process. All right, boys, uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for uh, hanging by. I know you're busy. Good luck for the weekend, Osto. Oldie, good luck, mate. Get back in that first grade position. Make sure you get plenty of feedback in for Tommy, too. He's, um, he's crying out for a bit of feedback, so let him know how he's, how he's going. As long as I've got your support, mate, I'll be, I'll be all good. <laughs> thanks, lads.
On the Behind the Limelight podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion and plenty of courage. The number 20 before 1989 was just a number. After 1989, it became Rugby League royalty. It's probably going to be in a museum one day. I'm joined by the man, the guy that iced the game for the Mighty Green Machine to win their first premiership, Steve Jackson. G'day, Steve. Good afternoon, Nick. How are we going? Jacko, I am pumped, of course. We caught up a few weeks ago at the Forever Green Ball. What a night that was. Uh, how great is it for yourself to come back to Canberra and just to see those beautiful faces, ex-teammates and... Just green men in general. <laughs> That's a nice way to describe it. Beautiful faces. <laughs> we weren't that beautiful when we played when we were young men, let alone old men. No, look, honestly, it was it, it was fantastic. Uh, Jason and Rick and the and the boys really know how to turn it on. And the history of the game, you know, they they take it in and they let the young players that are playing today understand that there was there was players well before them and um, I think that's what makes a club thrive. Did you have much uh, conversations with some of the current mob when you were down? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, Lukey Bateman, I, I, I uh, contact Lukey Bateman quite a bit when we, uh, when he's had out of the game and I have a chat to him about it. Uh, Rapanar, I call him Rapana. It's, mm. <laughs> he's, he's just awesome. Um, Blakey Austin, he comes straight over to me. Nicky Cocktrick, mate, he was... Um, when he debuted against the Cowboys at the start of 2017, I went up to Townsville and, and give him and Dom Masui their, um, their debut jerseys. Mm. And um, I give Rapana his debut jersey. I think it was 2015. I may be wrong there, but it was up in Darwin against yeah. Parramatta. And I give him his debut jersey. So it's, it's fantastic. I love that kind of stuff. Brett, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, 30 years ago now, you, you were that similar kind of man. <laughs> you came to the club on that wave of Queenslanders. How did you get drawn to Canberra, mate? Well, it, it was quite. Don, Don Ferner was a coach way back then, uh, 82. He was the, the first coach at the Raiders. And um, Don Ferner played up here in Mackay in 1958, I think it might have been. Um, and uh, he always said McCoy was a good uh, kindergarten or whatever you want to call it for, for players coming through. So he had a scout up this way in Merv Crouch. Um, as an 18-year-old kid, I, I was a little bit loose up this way and uh, they, and, and Donnie uh, wanted to get me down in 1985, but the, uh, the scout up here said, oh, I don't think he's ready yet. He was um, a bit of a, I was known as a little bit of a party boy and... Um, and I had to wait another year, and, and then in 1985, I, I made the North Queensland side in the, in the state league, Kentucky Fried State League, you know, played in the Brisbane sides. Uh, what a manly side, that star-studded side as Wally Lewis, Gene Miles, Greg Dowling, Colin Scott, mm. and all, all those players I got to play against when I was 19 uh, at Mackay. And um, at the end of that year, then Canberra said, uh, I was really going to go to Eastern Sydney, the Tricolours. Wow. Um, and yeah, that you know, like, I, I didn't know what 
I just wanted to, to get down there and play and um, and something didn't go. Oh, there's, it's a long story, but um, to cut a long story short, John Ferner got on the phone to me uh, the first week in January. So I, I hear that it didn't come off with the tricolours. I want to fly you down. I want to put you in an open trial match. And um, I had a trial with about 150 um, players from all over the joint. And, Good old uh, trial games. Yeah, the old open trial. Open trial. They played me for about 20 minutes and said, "No, no, you, you, you come off here. You're, um, you're going into our, um, into our under 23 side." So I got to play on the 23s in that first uh, year in '86. Front row was Glenn Lazarus, Steve Walters, and myself. So <laughs> that first year was the the hardest year ever, and I got through it. And then I, I got to play, <laughs> I got to play in the grand final. I got to play nine State of Origin games, and my life just um, was amazing. It was a dream. I debuted on the run-on side against Balmain in 1989. I think how they counted the numbers, like I'm number 89, mm. and I think it's when you um, come on as a reserve and play to A-grade. I'm pretty sure that's how they do it. But my actual debut in the first 13 run-on was in the centres with Laurie Daly's. I went from front row and reserve grade to uh, Tim Sheen said, look, there was about four players playing in an international game that weekend for Kiwis and, and, and Australia, and we were missing a lot of players. And uh, he said, mate, there's two positions here. I've got front row and centre, and I'm thinking about putting you on the centres. Wow. And I, <laughs> and I knew I was well behind the spit, you know, but I didn't care. I, didn't, I just said, um, and this is how I coach and how I teach kids too, is someone hands you a jersey, you just say thank you and play as well as you can in that jersey. Can you remember much of that time running out for the first time in, the, in obviously, the Winfield Cup? Did you walk off there thinking, wow, I can uh, really be here and really handle this level, or was it like, wow, I need so much work to do? Nick, it was devastating, my debut. I'd waited all my life. I'd waited, um, well, I played this game since I was four years old up here at Mackay, and at the time I was um, 23, and uh, I'd been three and a half years in the undergrades of Canberra, I get the start of my debut and I tore medial ligaments in the first 10 minutes. Oh, no. I, um, and that was back in the day, no interchange. You come off, you stayed off. Yeah. Uh, I got a bloke to strap it. I just strapped that knee. I said, there's something wrong with it. I said, when I lift my leg, I can't feel under my knee. I said, just strap it as tight as you can. And um, I was already behind the eight ball being a front row playing in the centres. Mm. I played for another 15 minutes um, uh, played for an extra 15 minutes, but I was no good. Any courier, the English convert, yeah. playing for Balmain, he ran round me, scored a try. Tim Sheen's um, dragged me off five minutes before half time, and uh, I remember sitting in the dressing shed and just um, devastated, thinking that my whole life um, I waited for this opportunity, and and this is what happens to me. You mentioned the name Jim Courier. Now, what a significant yeah. name that is moving forward, and it's quite significant too, and ironic. Jacko, that you're forever green number 89. Because 1989, <laughs> the grand final rolls around, you weren't part of the final series. But then yep. Tim Sheens gives you the tap on the shoulder saying, Jacko, go and warm up. What was going through your stomach then, if you can say it G-rated? Uh, look, the story, is, is it can be so long. You know, I, I come back uh, nine weeks out with a knee injury. I, I could have had an operation um, when I'd done that injury. It could have been out for the rest of the year. They said, look, we'll try and rehabilitate it. We'll, we'll do strengthening with it, and still you might need an operation. But uh, I, I come back after nine weeks, come back through reserve grade. And as you know, Canberra had a strong club back mm. in 1989. Our 21s made the grand final against South Sydney. Our reserve grade got knocked out a week before the grand final. 
I remember when we got knocked out thinking in the dressing shed once again, the highs and lows of 89 was phenomenal. And I was thinking that oh, all I want to do is play in a grand final and we get beaten a week before by Parramatta in extra time. And then Tim Sheens taps him on the shoulder and said, Jacko, I've got a 20-man squad. I'm going to add you to the squad and we're going to go in with eight fresh reserves. Yeah. And only four get a run, as you know. Uh, four blokes don't get a run. And I didn't care. I remember thinking, oh, I'm in, a grand, I'm in an A-grade grand final. You know, I watched Sydney grand finals on television that mm. a, a world away. I didn't think that I'd ever do this. And um, I remember sitting on that bench, watching from the best seat in the house, and not even thinking I was going to get a game, Nick. Because remember, I was talking to you about the grand final breakfast. I didn't even get to go to that because uh, yeah. I didn't have enough plates set. I was sitting on the bench just living a green. The game is known to be probably the most exciting grand final of all time. Now, it was one of those games, a topsy-turvy game, where the Tigers were up 12-2 at half time. Were you really invested in the game thinking that you, you were going to get a run or you weren't going to get a run? How, where, where was your mindset sitting on the bench there, Jacko? I wanted to get a run. I didn't think I was going to get a run. Um, I really wanted to play. I, um, because I didn't think I was going to play, I had no nervous energy. Mm. I was ready for it. Um, and I remember... Mel Meninga, I wish I had a, a tape recording of, of his talk to the team at half time because I remember feeling that, oh, give me a go at this. I reckon I, I just want to play. And, and Mel was so inspiring to everyone around him. And 17 minutes into the into the second half, the call comes down from a bloke named Phil Foster, which was Tim Sheens' right hand man. Mm. Jackson, warm up. And I sort of, oh, shit, me. And uh, and I remember standing in the in the tunnel of the Sydney Football Stadium doing a couple of pretend calf stretches. Mm. And then the word come over the top, Jacko, you're on now for Todd. The great thing was I got to the sideline, the ball just come out, and there was a break in place. So that was when the touch judge used to stick his flag in the air and run on the field mm. with the reserve. And I made the replacement straight away. And I remember packing a scrub against Bocker Roach, my first scrum in that grand final. And I didn't care if it was a corner of a brick wall. I was head putting my head in there as hard as I could. What a crazy state of affairs to run out okay. in the middle of a, a Sydney grand final and to just get thrown into the game in the heat of the battle. So you come on there, see, Jacko, you were the, the guy that uh, swayed the uh, momentum <laughs> to the Raiders there. Belcher scores that try. You mentioned Andy Currier. It was just an amazing climb back for the club. Of course, Belcher badge went over. Mao kicked the goal. And, of course, at the end, Chica goes in and scores the try. Fifth and last tackle. Chrissy O'Sullivan puts up the bomb. I'm standing out there in the centres there. and I, I got my left hand to the ball. It, it went backwards. Laurie picked it up, threw it over top to Chica. Chica comes straight back in field to where I was standing. And I, if you do see the front-on footage of that, mm. I'm yelling, Chica, and I knew he wasn't going to pass it. So I end up hitting him from behind. And he scores a try. And I, mm. I remember thinking, you know what? I didn't score a try, but I was involved in one. That was like a try assist as far as I was concerned. <laughs> <laughs> you get in there, and of course, you mentioned the international, the English international, Courier. He kicks that yeah. ball out of desperation straight into George, big George, Malmeninga. He throws wow. you the ball. When that ball hit the bread basket, I asked every single player that played in that game, what was going through your mind when Steve Jackson scores that try at the end? Now, ladies and gentlemen, a drum roll, please. What was going through your head, Steve, from the moment you caught the ball, from the moment you put the ball down? Please run it through me. Now, Meninga gives me the ball. I'm not making a mistake. I knew exactly what position of the game we're in. We're one point in front, three minutes to go. Mel's giving me the ball. We're 20 yards out, and I'm not making a mistake. 
I'm just going to um, not pass. I, I think when you watch a replay, I've done a bit of a pivot, uh, a spin, a little pirouette, and Stevie Walters, if I give it the ball to him, he probably scores under the sticks. But in my mind, first tackle, not dropping the ball, I'm just going to find me front. And then I kept going, and then and I, I'd done that spin, and then I was just about to fall, fall forward, and someone hit, like, hit me from behind, straightened me up again, and and then I went over top of Hardwick where I headbutted him going through, and and it's funny, you know, it, when you watch it on the video, it happens so quick. But in my mind, it happened slow. It, I, I remember thinking, wow, I've hit a lot of people here. Look, there's a try line. If I can put this ball down, I'll score a try in a grand final. And, and well, I stuck my arm out and I hit the ground. I was winded and I looked up and I saw a young Bill Carrigan with his arm pointed in my direction, just about to blow the whistle. And I remember thinking, I made it, I made it, I made it. Yeah. Boys were hugging me. I was gone. I was shot, you know. And and they picked me up off the ground, and and they're all congratulating. And as we're walking back, Gary Belcher is a pretty cool, calm, collected fella. He was the last person to come up to me, and we we're getting back to the halfway line. He said, "Jacko, Mel's just missed the kick." He said, "A great try, but you got to stop thinking about it. We have got to switch on. We had three minutes to go, and we're only ahead by five points. Convert a try, they could still win." Yeah. So I had to switch off. I had to switch back. I was, you know, switch off from that feeling good about myself mm. to go back we've got to finish this game and that was a pretty awesome thing that Gary Belcher did then and yeah it was <laughs> what a memory at full time the jubilation of winning that premiership but what about for yourself was it more of an IOU in regards to a delayed response for that try after you knew you had it uh, you iced the game and had it had it in the bag I coach kids now you know and I can use uh, my experiences as an example of what what to um, how to become better and um that whole year was a, was a roller coaster ride for me. You know, it was heartbreaking halfway through the year when I was sitting in the dressing shed when I tore the medial ligaments, and then to come back and then to get knocked out a week before the grand final reserve grade and uh, get an opportunity to sit in the A grade bench and be so involved in an A grade grand final uh, that was just a dream. And um, yeah, as long as you keep fronting up, just keep fronting up and just keep giving it, just keep giving it, never say die. And you know what? Eventually, good things do happen, and and that's sort of way it's happened all my life and you know things don't go rosy all the time but they're the times where you've got to be real tough in the whole world <laughs> it's always been a positive for you too i remember being a young bloke jack and having footy cards of you yeah. in, a, in a in a west jumper or a gold coast jumper yeah but yeah. they always seemed to find a way whether it was a sticker book or a footy card to actually mention the 89 grand final this is well into the 90s <laughs> uh you know i i, I had my chicken shop up here in mckay i've had it Geez, uh, just over 20 years, and I still have people come to my counter and say, you know what, your name's Steve Jackson, I hate you. And I look at them, I go, huh, you're a Balmain supporter. They say, yes, I am. I say, well, I'm sorry, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that still gets set up the counter. <laughs> and um, I, I remember I went to a, up at Ailey Beach, and this young fellow came up to me and said, your name's Steve Jackson? I said, yeah, mate. He said, oh, look, I need to get a photo. I'm going to send it to my dad. He will cry. He will absolutely cry. He's a Balmain supporter. And he got a photo with me, and then he sent it to his dad. And, uh, it's funny. Well, you've made all the Balmain supporters cry, but you also made all the Canberra Raiders uh, cry, Jacko, there. The way you just showed the determination. And for a lot of listeners, knowing that that background story of the ups and downs of 89 for you, and, and you mentioned uh, you were a bit of a, bit of a rat bag before you, before you <laughs> played. But, to, well, what an achievement, Jacko. And that's been well tossed up as one of the best grand finals of all time. And to score that try and to own that, part of, of history, not just for the Raiders, but for rugby league. Wow, that's 
That's remarkable. Thanks, Nick. And you know what? You know, said you said one of the best grand finals. We're going to call it the best grand final because do you know how many free lunches over 29 years <laughs> I've got from that try? So let's not stop it. When I'm passed away, then the next grand final can be the best. How's that sound? The best. Jack, uh, let's do the Forever Green set of six. Uh, first question. So what do you do now for work? Yes, I, I sell dead chickens. All I know in life is football and dead chickens. you got to love that. You know, I, uh, I've owned a landed shop for uh, 20 and a half years, and um, it's a great little franchise, and, yeah, I'm loving it. Jack, uh, what did it mean to you to wear the green jumper? The Woodja Camberators jumper. My first uh, Sydney or New South Wales jersey, I can still remember the announcer as he called the players out in the field, and here comes the mighty Woodja Camberators. I love the Camber jersey. Back then, favourite teammate and why? All of them. The the respect I have for all the players around me, and um, and you, you don't play this game for yourself. You know, you do things out in that paddock because of the bloke beside you. You don't want to let the bloke beside you down. And and it's amazing, the football fraternity, we just wear different coloured jerseys. You go to another club, it's the same group of people mm. at every club. But, but hey, I love Laurie Daly. <laughs> I live with Laurie. I live with Laurie in 89, and um, he's a pretty, pretty awesome kind of guy, Laurie Daly. You mentioned you also had some uh, a good rapport with the, with the late Peter Jackson, the other Jacko. Yeah, Pete. I live with Pete. I live with Pete in 1987. He's about as crazy as me. You know, we're not related. Mm. I remember, and I pulled his Queensland jersey out in 1987. I wore it out to the lounge, and I said, hey, Pete, they spell my name right. <laughs> <laughs> and then a few years later, I got my own jersey. Now, I don't need to probably ask, but your favourite memory of the favourite memory of the club is probably 89. If 89 didn't happen, uh, would you have another favourite memory? Um, I think um, being coached by Wayne Bennett in, in 87. Funniest moment at the club. <laughs> yeah, I got all the Raiders barred from Ainsley Football Club. <laughs> we had what we called a um, Dunce of the Week award uh, when someone used to do the serious thing and get their awards. And uh, Yeah, I got a bit of strife. When you ask other players, they'll be able to recognise that one, so I won't go and do it too much. <laughs> <laughs> Last question for the set of six. Steve Jackson, what kind of advice would you give to the current Raider? Love the jersey. Protect your mate. Look, winners make it happen and losers let it happen. So you just keep fronting up. Just keep fronting up. Steve, J.K. Jackson, thank you for going behind the limelight with us. Cheers, Nick.